Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to worship. Special welcome to anyone who might be uh, joining us online or by phone tonight. We're glad that you are with us as well. Tonight's Maundy Thursday service begins the three days, the Triduum. Uh, we're doing an Easter Vigil this year, so we'll be doing all three, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Vigil. And the way uh, we can think about these is one service spread over three days. So you'll notice there's no dismissal at the end of tonight's service. Uh, the service continues tomorrow and on Saturday, so there's meant to be kind of a uh, continuation between these three days. So uh, uh, we're um, glad to be beginning with, with Monday Thursday tonight. We won't be having a uh, foot washing tonight. We discussed that uh, with a small group of our uh, worship commission members, and uh, for COVID reasons and a few other reasons, we thought we would emphasize the meal portion of tonight, since that's another thing that we remember on Monday, Thursday, rather than a foot washing. So if you came in flip-flops tonight, I want to apologize up front, but, um, uh, but we will be emphasizing uh, the meal part of the story, and I'll say more about that during my sermon. Requesting special prayers um, tonight and in the coming days for um, for Gary and Janet Turk. Uh, Gary is back in the hospital, and um, so please be praying for uh, Gary and Janet um, in your prayers this week. With that, we'll begin with our confession forgiveness. If you would please stand and face the baptismal font. Friends in Christ, in this Lenten season, we have heard our Lord's call to struggle against sin, death, and the devil, all that keeps us from loving God and each other. This is the struggle to which we were called at baptism. Within the community of the church, God never wearies of forgiving sin and giving the peace of reconciliation. On this night, let us confess our sin against God and our neighbor, and enter the celebration of the great three days, reconciled with God and with one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with the power through the Holy Spirit that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. At this time, uh, if you wish, you're welcome to come to the font as we sing a hymn uh, for an individual absolution. I will place my hands on top of your head and offer an individual absolution. Monday Thursday is kind of the bookend of our season of Lent that began with Ash Wednesday. On that day, you came forward individually and were marked with the sign of the cross. Uh, we said a confession that did not end in absolution that time, and so that the whole season was a season of repentance and confession. And today is the big resolution to that, where you will come forward again uh, for individual absolution. You, of course, do not have to if you, you may just stay in your pew and sing your hymn as well. But we'll sing our hymn, and you are invited to come to the font for individual absolution if you wish.
which kind we judgment give. There is welcome for the sinner and a promised grace made good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. There is grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Eternal God, in the sharing of a meal, your Son established a new covenant for all people. In the washing of feet, he showed us the dignity of service. Grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these signs of our life and faith may speak again to our hearts, feed our spirits, and refresh our bodies. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. 
The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Word of God, word of life. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you, as you eat of this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Word of God, word of life.
The Holy Gospel according to John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you from God, our heavenly parent, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When uh, Kristen and I became parents, we had to rethink some things, as parents often do. Uh, And one of those was that we finally had to get around to getting our will in place. And I'm sure several of you have been through those kinds of conversations. You start to think about what what would happen if I weren't around all of a sudden. Uh, What would have to be done? What kind of legacy would I leave? How do I want people to remember me? I'm sure we all reach points in our life where we kind of reconsider those questions. On Maundy Thursday, Jesus tells us how he wants to be remembered. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Words we hear every Sunday from the altar. Jesus, by this point in the story, knows that he's going to die. This Holy Week, we've been journeying through his last week, beginning with Palm Sunday when he was welcomed with joy and celebration. And here we are on Thursday, not too long after that, 
and the conspiracy to kill him is well on its way, including a betrayal, a collusion between one of his closest friends and those determined to kill him. Usually on Monday, Thursday, Trinity has a foot washing, and we focus on John's gospel. In our schedule of readings, the revised common lectionary, every Monday, Thursday has John's version of Thursday evening, but there are three other gospels, and they all emphasize the meal more than they do the foot washing. That's unique to John. But our second reading for tonight recalls that part of the story. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. And so, for this year, I thought we would direct our attention to the meal on Thursday evening as we journey towards the cross. And part of the reason I wanted to start our three days of services with the meal is that I believe the meal is Jesus' interpretation of what is coming tomorrow and what is coming the day after that. The meal interprets the cross from Jesus' perspective, and vice versa. And through the meal and the cross, we have the resurrection, which also interprets this one unified story from meal to cross to resurrection. Jesus tells us in this passage how he wants to be remembered, how he wants us to think of his death. A teacher of mine named Dirk Lang, uh, who was a professor at uh, Luther Seminary when I was there, um, he was also a monk at Taze for a number of years, a very ecumenical uh, person and and wonderful theologian. Uh, He's written about the dangers of trying to separate the cross and take it on its own. He writes, an enormous danger arises when we turn the violence of the cross into something sacred, through ritualization, for example. Over time, it results in the sanctification not of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, but of violence. Violence, from this perspective, is always conceived as a viable option. Wars continue to rage. The death penalty is still considered just. The Holocaust happens. Jesus doesn't want us to just look at the violence of the cross. He wants to interpret it for us through this meal. There are abuses of the cross. I will say more about this tomorrow. But when we take the cross and put it on a shield and head off into war, or when we use the cross as a means of racial terrorism, as was done in our country. The image and symbol of the cross is central to Christianity, but it can be abused. And when Jesus asks us to remember his death, he doesn't point to the cross. On that last night, he points to the meal. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul adds that whenever we share this meal, we proclaim his death until he comes again. Jesus points not to the cross, but to the meal as the place of remembering. The sharing of bread and wine, not the violent death, becomes a form of ritual remembering that disrupts violence, in Lang's words. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says. This meal in our practice, in our remembering tonight, disrupts our violence our greed. It places us in communion with God and with each other. It interprets the cross, and it makes the resurrection real for us. In our second reading, Paul is writing to a community in Corinth. And for us to get into this text, we need to know that this is a community in conflict. And one of the main conflicts is over communion. This was a Greco-Roman society that was used to having banquets where the rich were treated one way and the poor were treated another. There's this uh, uh, text from Pliny the Younger, who's a first century Roman citizen, where he wrote about a cultic banquet in a letter, and he described how the host had three different cups, three different 
uh, sets of wine to share with his guests. The best was reserved for himself and those like him, those on his level. The second best were for his friends who were from a lower order. And the worst quality of the three was reserved for steps below that, for servants and the like. That's the kind of status-specific dining that was well-known in Greco-Roman society. I kind of imagine it like our experience, perhaps, of going on an airplane with first and second and all those kinds of classes, but on steroids, because this was society-wide. There were perks and drawbacks, depending on your status. Insert into this kind of society the love meal, the feast of Jesus, where all are made one in baptism, where all are on an equal playing field. And so the problem in Corinth is that the church tried to turn Holy Communion into a class-based, status-specific kind of meal. The rich were gorging themselves before the poor were off of work, and so sometimes by the, poor, by the time the poor got to the banquet, they had to go without. As Paul says earlier in the letter, some go hungry while others become drunk. So you can, be, you can begin to see why Paul is upset with how things are going in Corinth and why he needs to intervene. For him, our baptism is a great equalizer. There is no more rich or poor, slave or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile. At the font and at the Lord's table, we become one bread, one body. We become equals. The Lord's Supper is meant to reflect this unity and equality where all are fed and all are to be offered grace. And to set the Corinthians right, he returns to Maundy Thursday to say, remember that on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus set a different example for us. He gave us a meal where all are equal, where all are fed, where there isn't three different cups, there's one cup, where there isn't three different loaves, there's one loaf. And this is what Jesus wants us to remember when we think about his death. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't sit around thinking about how violence can uh, solve our problems, because that's the abuse of the cross. Sit around and think about how my death is like giving yourself away, saying this is my body and my blood given for the sake of others. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the meal, he's training us in a different kind of economy, a different kind of way of being in the world, a way of being where we see one another as siblings, as equals, regardless of our background. So tonight, we practice a countercultural meal. We remember Jesus' death through this meal. We proclaim his death until he comes again. And as I said earlier that this is uh, one of the ways the resurrection becomes real for us, but I'll save that for a later sermon. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus says, and you are all welcome to this meal. Amen.
In these holiest of days, we offer prayers for ourselves, our neighbors, and our world. We pray for the church around the world. Write your new commandment of love on the heart of every believer and strengthen pastors, deacons, and lay leaders in humble service for your people. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for the good earth you have made. Protect fields, orchards, local farms, and gardens. Inspire us with the new life budding around us, that we show more care for plants and all living creatures. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for leaders in every land. Kindle compassion and equity in all who are called to administer justice. Guide us in all in the positions of power, away from the temptations of abuse, and toward work for the common good. Merciful God. Receive our prayer. We pray for all who are in need, especially those who are incarcerated or unjustly accused. Illuminate paths to end oppression and form supportive communities gathered around a common commitment to justice and peace. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for this congregation and all who gather to receive your body and blood this night. Fill us at this shared table and nourish us well to, to heed your example of grace. Send us in love to those who cannot be with us due to illness. Lift up Jacqueline, Randy, Latissa, Denia, Rick, Vicki, Lynn, Kristen, and Gary. We give thanks for those who have died in the faith. Teach us by their example and comfort as we mourn. Renew us by the promise of life together with you. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We offer you these petitions and those we carry in our hearts, trusting in your abundant and ever-present mercy. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, 
that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose suffering and death gave salvation to all. You gather your people around the tree of the cross, transforming death into life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. You are indeed holy, O God, the fountain of all holiness. You bring light from darkness, life from death, speech from silence. We worship you for our lives and for the world you give us. We thank you for a new world to come and for the love that will rule all in all. We praise you for the grace shown to Israel, your chosen, the people of your promise, the rescue from Egypt, the gift of the promised land the memory of the fathers, the homecoming from exile, and the prophet's words that will not be in vain. In all this, we bless you for your only begotten Son, who fulfilled and will fulfill all your promises. We remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Therefore, gracious parent, with this bread and cup, we remember the life our Lord offered for us. And believing in the witness of his resurrection, we await his coming in power to share with us the great and promised feast. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Send now, we pray, your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of our Lord and of his resurrection, that we who receive the Lord's body and blood may live to praise of your glory and receive our inheritance with all your saints in light. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Join our prayers with those of your servants of every time and every place and unite them with the ceaseless petitions of our great high priest until he comes as victorious Lord of all. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Gathered together by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. We'll commune uh, one side at a time tonight. So we'll start with this side, and then we'll move to this side. Um, to commune, you'll go to the side aisle, and you'll come forward where there is a table up here at the front. You'll pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you desire or need uh, grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these side tables. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in this bowl uh, by the center aisle. 
All are welcome to commune with us tonight. This is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table. And the invitation comes from Christ. Here is food and drink for the journey. Take and be filled. The body of Christ given for you.
Please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, in a wonderful sacrament, you strengthen us with the saving power of your suffering, death, and resurrection. May this sacrament of your body and blood so work in us that the fruits of your redemption will show forth in the way we live for you and live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Surround me all day long like a flood. 